Pulcher. We're going to talk a little business, a little bit about sports, maybe dive into the non-fungible token sector as well, maybe some collectible items, just who knows where we're going to go with this show. It's going to be a wild ride and a lot of fun. Stick around and enjoy. I want to give a big shout out to our lovely sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. We've got Falaya Real Estate, Currency Bank, um, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, Mallard Bay Outdoors, and Government Taco. Thank them so very much for making this show possible. And without further ado, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you for having me. This is professional. I'm excited to be here. I mean, we, we do what we can. We, yeah. make it, we make it work. Three years come a long way making everything happen and partnering up with the right people. That's, I think, the biggest thing in business and growing what you're doing is making sure you find those right partners that have a good enough vision that can go along with your crazy ideas exactly and just right. kind of help guide you along the way. I mean, that's why we're here in Falaya Studio is because they were like, look, we believe in it. Let's make it happen. That's awesome. I mean, this is this is a great space. You guys gave me a beer. This is, I mean, it's off Absolutely, to the right start. Man. I love it. Yeah, that's, thank you. Look, it's it's that calming of the nerves, but from <laughs> from what I know, you don't need the nerves calm because you've actually got your own shows and stuff. So something like that. Who is <laughs> who is Anthony Renato for those that aren't aware? That's a good question. Um, so my story is a kid from New Jersey played uh, came to LSU to play baseball at LSU. Played here for three years. Um, pitched and won a national championship in, on the 2009 national championship team uh, and then was drafted by the Boston Red Sox and, and started a baseball career for seven or eight years and, and played professionally with uh, Boston, uh, Texas Rangers, uh, Chicago White Sox, and then I even went over to Samsung, uh, over to Korea, and I played for the Samsung Lions as well. Okay. So, um, But nowadays, you know, I'm in that second <laughs> phase, and so that was kind of my introductory to you know, Louisiana and how I got here and stuff, but I'm a, I'm a business owner here in Baton Rouge and I own Cards and Culture, which is, a, I guess you could say, a modern day collectible shop. Um, and then I'm also the owner of uh, F45 Training, which is a franchise based out of Australia, but it's a fitness-based concept. Um, stands for F45 is Functional 45-Minute Workouts. Um, so we I got two of those gyms. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I've like, they've got one coming up right next to my house and I had yeah. no idea it was Functional Over 45. Over by Bocage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just opened that one up. That's our second one, yeah. Very cool. Yes. So that was, those, are my, those are my three little babies right now, The kind of my day-to-day, everything that I'm doing. Um, but here in Baton Rouge and being a business owner, entrepreneur, former athlete, doing stuff with LSU, that kind of stuff, a lot of fun. I love that. And you also have two, not one, but two podcasts yes. that you do each week. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, so that's kind of where Cards and Culture kind of started from, too, and why I had a, a brick and mortar location was I started a podcast in, in January of 2019 uh, called The Up and In Show. And it was more just my, you know, stories, interviewing athletes, you know, people that are did, you know, have done really extraordinary things, have cool stories. Um, but that's kind of morphed into, I call it business, performance, business and sports. Um, so it's a little bit of everything, but I kind of interview people, learn from them, learn from their journeys, learn from their adversities, their strengths, their successes, all that kind of stuff. Um, then I have a second podcast that we just started with Cards and Culture uh, with Kylie Maris, who is the granddaughter of Roger Maris, who broke Babe Ruth's home run record, um, and Paul Maneri, my LSU baseball coach. He just formally retired, formal LSU baseball coach, um, just retired after 15 years at LSU. So us three do a podcast once a week as well at Cards and Culture. That is a rock solid staff right? for a for a, a sports, especially baseball. Baseball, right? I know, like yeah. that's just we're checking the boxes. No duh, you know that's like <laughs> yeah, who, right. who do you have? If you could pick right. who you wanted, yes, those two, you got the three of y'all done, right? Boom. And Kylie's personality is absolutely incredible. She's a rock star. She's really cool. 
Um, we just got to get coach a little bit more used to the podcast format <laughs> rather than interview format. But right, the, the, the crisp, polished yes. interview format, like looking no, 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 into no. the camera, you know, answering the questions. I'm like, coach, it wasn't a question. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 coach, coach. Yeah. The, the cameras are here. They're capturing. <laughs> they're they're documenting what we're doing. Exactly. No, it's you, you and I. We're that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should like give him like some beer or something. That would be. Look at you. This is like the third or fourth thing that you're just. You need to come over and come to Cards and Culture. Just keep giving me ideas. This is I'm great. in, man. Look, we'll come by. We'll, Monday great. and Tuesday, right? That's when you yeah, all film. Exactly, okay, yeah. we'll come well, by. You gotta one come of those on my days. podcast now. This is. Uh, it'll be great, dude. Name the name the date and time. Love I'm it. there. Love it. So there was a lot to unpack about Anthony within that yes. that opening <laughs> yeah. bit. So let's let's start with the baseball side of things. So you you pitched on the on the national championship team at LSU. Yep. But you're originally from New Jersey. So how in the heck did you make it all the way down here to our great state? I don't know. It was luck, honestly, because I wanted to come. It was it's so funny as, you know, it's a funny story was I was a New Jersey kid. And, and back in the day when you were a junior, they could only call you on July 1st. They couldn't, you know, schools couldn't contact you before that unless you were on their campus. Nowadays, they get away with it, and that's why recruits sign so early is because they can text and there's so many loopholes and they can get them on campus. And that's when they talk to them. But wait, back, so you can text, but you can't call. Correct. It's it, it's so messed up. All right. It's so messed. How up. old are these rules? That's what I'm saying, right? Like it's got to be <laughs> Does like FaceTime count as a call. That's there's probably so many loopholes in it that I don't even want to know about because it's such a weird world. Um, but they they called me on July 1st, and I was like, I remember getting the call and being in the car with my dad and putting the phone down and being like, LSU, is, like where is that? I had no idea. And he was just like, I was, he said LSU, and my dad was like Louisiana State, and I'm like, oh okay, okay, like, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I'll SEC. talk to you. Yeah, I was like <laughs> SEC, and then he started, they started rambling off. You know, it was it was uh, Terry Rooney, and he was talking about the national championships and all these different things, and I was like, oh my god. So for the next couple of months, we talked and everything, but as the recruiting process went on, they signed their guys that they needed to sign, you know, and all that. So they stopped talking to me for a couple of months, and I narrowed down my choices to three schools. One of them was not LSU. And at the last second, they called me. I guess maybe some things fell through with their guys, you know. Um, and they got me on a visit. And I was supposed to go to Vanderbilt the weekend after I visited here, but I loved LSU so much that I just came here. I committed on the spot. Didn't even go check out Vandy, nothing. Yeah, it was great. So, And after that, everything was history. I fell in love with the place and been here now 17 years or something. That's what I'm talking about. I lo love, I love you didn't go to Vandy. Like, oh, my God. Yes, we if got I, you locked in. If I stepped foot on Vanderbilt's campus, I don't know. I, I, I might have gone there, but. Um, that's why I was like, so oh, have, you, have you been to Vandy since? I have not actually. Wait, never so you've even never played. stepped, never went to Vandy's campus. I mean, I even feel like any other sporting act, just nothing. nothing, no foot on the turf, nothing ever, nowhere near it, anything. So I'm like, part of me is going to go there when I'm like 48 years old or something and be like, <laughs> so this is where I could have went to school. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what I missed out on. Come on. Well, hopefully at 48, my life's pretty, you know, like everything's gone well. Hopefully. <laughs> I, say, I, think it's on, I think it's on a pretty good yeah, track exactly, already. Yeah. So I don't think you'll, you'll miss out on anything. Yeah, I'm okay. happy where I'm at. Yeah. So, so you pitched in one in the national championship at LSU. How, what was that experience like? And, and, I, and I feel like I can say this with real honesty that, like nothing else. And I know it sounds so cliche and so whatever, but I played in Boston. My debut was against the New York Yankees on a Friday night electric. It was awesome, but it wasn't the same as LSU. I pitched in Chicago and hit a home run at Wrigley, at Wrigley Field. Wasn't the same. Like the fan, you know, like it was just different. There's something different. I played in Korea. I played where they, their fans love their teams and their sports, but it's just different. There's something different here. So to be a part of that and then even now, 10, 15 years later, 20 years, however many years it's been since we won the national championship, 
it's still cool that we're having conversations about it. It's still cool that people come into my shop and talk about it. And I think that's so unique to LSU. I really do. Like, I believe that. I've been a lot of places, a lot of championship cities and stuff like that. Um, and people don't forget you here. It's really, really awesome. It's a great community. So for me to be the winning pitcher, to win that national championship, or to be a part of that team, and, and even for, you know, coach to trust me with the ball that last game and that kind of stuff, unbelievable. It's something that I'll never forget, and it's part of my, my story for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone that, that sets foot in tight, inside of Tiger Town, you know, that's their their goal is being either on that mound or on that field yeah. and being able to walk away with that national title. And you're able to be a part of that team that did so within baseball. Yeah. And and, and it's so funny here because there's no major league teams, right? So the LSU fans are, I mean, they're locked in at We're into die, die hard, Yes, man. and they love baseball. That's what I love about it here. So, you know, they'll never forget that. And, and just to be a part of that history and that tradition, to be a – part of the six national championships, you know, and, and honestly, you see it. My, my nephew is a sophomore in high school. I just went and visited him and his, all his friends and stuff. And LSU is the Mecca, like they're in Virginia. And it's like, every kid would love to go there, would love to go to LSU, would love to be there. And everybody talks about it. what's it like? What's it like? I heard you got the tie. There's so many things that are iconic about LSU that people from afar or across the country, um, just recognize and appreciate. And, and I don't take that for granted. Oh yeah. No, that's like the, I remember back when I was at LSU, in undergrad, they were talking about in a marketing class the most recognizable brands mm -hmm. in not only the SEC but like the across the country. And like LSU was top five, yeah, for good reason. I mean, yep. you know, when you see that that perp that purple and gold, you know exactly who they are. You can say LSU anywhere, yep. and people will instantly give you that credibility. I mean, the professors alone, they would say we would always put our email, and it was always like at lsu.ed was always a little bit bigger than everything else on the screen. So they go, oh, yeah, at LSU. That, that's that's, right. that's that's the school we're with. Yep. So just having that team spirit and that city and that state behind you all the way, I'm sure, is unlike any other feeling. Absolutely. And then even when I played professional baseball, it was cool to see the LSU fans travel, to see them at different games, to see them show up in different cities. You just go somewhere and people are like, go Tigers. And you're just like, what? I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Where, you know, or like they Charles. Travel. Yeah, they're everywhere. And it's like, that's a cool part. Or, is, or if they hear that there was an LSU baseball player in their area, you know, like, oh, let's go check out the game and support them. Like, that's so cool. Like, to me, that um, is pretty amazing. I think I had fans, like LSU fans in Iowa when I played in AAA Iowa. And it was just like, you know, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, well, I got a job up here. And so we heard that you were coming, you know, and like. We're a fan still of LSU baseball. You're like, what? Okay, cool. Yeah, like, let's hang Great out. Great to see you. <laughs> yeah. like, let's, let's go. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <clears throat> I mean, just alone for the, the re-turfing of the stadium, how many people were sitting for hours just to get a piece of that turf? Crazy. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I did want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna piece. be like, "Were you in the line?" I, I was. I was not in the line. I had to work, unfortunately, till like four or five. Gotcha. My wife drove by. She's like, "Yeah, no, the, the line's already too far gone. Like, there's no chance we're getting anything." Yeah, that line I was like, was ridiculous, well, I remember. And they started lining up at like ten o'clock in the morning for something. They couldn't get till three. That's unbelievable. Like, just the the amount of just passion that the fan base has is unreal. Only at LSU. That's <laughs> what I believe. I believe that. Only LSU can drink a city dry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and only LSU uh, does the economy go down when the football team goes down, you know, and all that. It's, it's so it, it, the economy and the sports run parallel with each other. I say that all the time. Even, too, people's moods. Like, I'm like, yo, the, the, when the football team's doing great, everybody's spirits in the, like during the fall is just good. Business owners like, yeah, come on, come on, we'll get discounts. It's great. I swear, everybody's just in a better mood. But this past couple of years, like year or two, oh, I feel like it's just completely different. 
Yeah, and then, I mean, even with just Baton Rouge stuff in general, with the Garth Brooks concert coming into town, I mean, people are just getting electric already about yeah. it. Like, it's, okay, guys, it's it's a, it's a concert. <laughs> and we do it like, every year. But like, come on. <laughs> like, and I know we go big and out, like, come on, guys, let's yeah. let's rein it in. But I think all that passion just fuels so much across our city, which is great to see. Absolutely. So you, you graduated and advanced from LSU onto the, the major leagues. What was that experience like going through that all the way through till you were able to just kind of say goodbye yeah um I think LSU prepared me to do that like just in the sense of we're talking about how great LSU is and and the things that um they provide for you the opportunities and I think that was one of them was when I got to pro ball I felt prepared to handle the media I felt prepared to handle pressure when I got to the major leagues I'd played in front of big crowds I'd pitched in front of 30,000 people things like that so um you know LSU gave me a great skill set and tool set and opportunity to take advantage of those things and um, and, and then they provided resources too, like, you know, media training and things like that, where I, when I got to pro ball and in a big market like Boston, I felt equipped. I felt okay to handle this kind of stuff. And after my first start, there was 60 reporters around me and I'm standing there and, you know, I was, I felt ready for it. I did. And, and so it was an incredible journey. The minor leagues were a grind. I went through a lot of injuries and all that stuff, but, um, you know, getting to the major leagues was, was definitely worth it and, and it paid off. Yeah. And yeah. you ended up finishing out that career and kind of bringing your way back to Louisiana. Oh, what yeah. was that that driving force of making that decision to come back? I think just the fans at LSU. I think that I know we're I feel like we're harping on that a lot, but it was the only thing that helped me decide that. You know, I just where did I want to go? New Jersey because I grew up in Jersey. And I didn't even think about anywhere else in the world or or in the country or anything and it was like LSU was a no-brainer for me. It was just the fans, the people, the way that they treat people. Um, you know, my, a lot of my friends were here that I just really developed like lifelong bonds with and things like that. Uh, so it, it felt like it was just, this has turned into home for me. It really has. And I feel like as much as I'm from New Jersey, I like to talk fast and move fast. I feel like the people, the way that they treat people and how nice they are and, and genuine and the way that they open things and share things with people is more my speed than, uh, than New Jersey. I love New Jersey. <laughs> you, like, you like to slow it, slow it down a little bit from time to time. Yes, you exactly. like to cook yeah. a gumbo for eight hours when there someone can do it in like two. Exactly, know? right. Yeah, there's, there's no, no need point. to rush there's that. No. Yeah, we got to enjoy it. That's, yeah. that's an all-day affair, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. We got to milk the good times. And that's the other thing down, down here in Louisiana, too. I love that. There's always an excuse to have a good time or make a party or whatever, right? And I was like, people just appreciate life down here, and that's what I like a lot more. Everything is very serious in New Jersey. How do you get things done quick, efficient, get out of my way, don't look at me, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't you dare wave at me as we're walking down the sidewalk. No eye contact, absolutely. <laughs> don't even look at me. Yeah, but I, I love Louisiana, I really do. And then down here, we, we party for a hurricane. That's, uh, that's the thing that I love. That's what I mean. Oh, in New Jersey, everybody's bundled up. It's the end of the world, and it's like down here, people are drinking. Wait, they're surfing in the streets? I'm like, this, these people get it. This is fun. Oh yeah, everybody yeah. brings out their their uh, their batos and their go devils and start oh, going yeah. down the flooded streets. Yep. That's just it's part of living every moment to its fullest. Absolutely within Baton Rouge. Yep. So when you came back here, did you have like any type of plan on what you were going to do from a business standpoint, a living standpoint, or was it just a? I mean, what 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 was the plan? Yeah. Well, it was funny because my career ended with a line drive off my hand, actually. So. I took a line drive off my hand in July of 2017, um, shattered my hand and had to have like emergency surgery and all that. So I have a plate and seven screws in there. And so I didn't know if baseball was done, if I wanted to keep playing anymore. I was, I was kind of burnt out as well. Um, I had just had so many injuries in my career. And even when I was getting paid good money in, in Korea and was the number one pitcher over there doing all that stuff, it still wasn't enjoyable for me. I wasn't happy. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I just want to take some time away from baseball. 
Um, I went back to school and started graduating, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then I made a few angel investments, you know, in business, you know, just wrote some checks and stuff. And I realized I didn't really like doing that because I didn't have an effect on the business, you know, per se, as a minority owner, you don't, your hand, you're not hands on and you can't really affect as much as you like. Um, and that's when it just really triggered me. I was like, you know what? I want to kind of take things in my own hands. And, and I started with the podcast of just like interviewing people, learning things, asking questions on their journey and that kind of stuff. And then um, one thing led to another. And then F45 came to me as a, as a great opportunity. And, and I just decided to roll with it. And that's how I started my business journey. I love it. So I want to take a step back because I can't believe I skipped over this. Korea. What yeah. was it like playing ball there? Unbelievable. If I could just get more guys, if I would have got more guys out, it would have been an unbelievable experience. I was just terrible on the field. Like when I tell you, I was, I was probably throwing like 87, 88 and my velocity was usually like 92 to 94, 95, something like that. And I just couldn't figure it out over there, man. I had, I had injuries. I, I just, I don't know. It was my baseball performance was terrible. I say that because everything else was amazing. The food, the people, the city, the travel, I absolutely loved my experience there and I, and I was getting paid very well. So they, they took care of me and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, the experience was great. I just wish I could have performed better. <laughs> well, like what was the feeling different? Like what you think yeah. was the biggest leading factor of the difference in your performance? I don't know what the, I think the difference in my performance was honestly was uh, arrogance and stubbornness. I think as I got older in my career, there was things I needed to change and adapt and, and look into. And I was like, nope, this is the way that I do it. I was a first rounder. I'll do it. I'm fine. You know, like all this stuff. I know what's right. I know what's best for me. Um, so I think it was it was a lot of that, honestly. Like I could have a lot of my issues could have been solved. And, and if I would have had an open mind, if I listened more, honestly. Um, but hey, that's life. That's, you, that's, you that's all of our tale. Exactly. That's, right? that's everyone's tale. Exactly. If only we could have just listened and made a little bit more open minded. <laughs> exactly gone so many different ways exactly so yeah that was that was my story in korea i, I loved it food was great too was it unbelievable but i went there with the mindset because i was like i was like there's no way i'm gonna go there and be picky and, and i was i'm gonna embrace yeah, everything yeah. i gotta i'm embodying their culture and i just went there with that mindset and i ate everything and loved it like everything was great it really was well i, th I feel like that in like louisiana especially coming from new jersey like anywhere you go if you're gonna be there for a while you just have to embody whatever their culture is whatever their food they're eating yes. you just got to be a part of it 100%. Uh, otherwise you're gonna sit there and be like eh, i don't think you're gonna be that guy at the yes, table exactly and you're like okay what do you have that's not with all of this all of this and all of this yep i'm also gonna, just gonna, gonna look guy. at you and get out <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no. no this is what we have yeah this is what we have this is this is what you get yeah, you so know. makes sense yeah but it was great it really was so it worked out i love that so going to f45 um i mean that was your so you're doing the podcast and then they just like called you up and said hey anthony you know we want to put some franchises in your area or how did that conversation go yeah so i was just interviewing people around you know fitness wellness that kind of stuff and i guess i i cross i don't even know how i crossed paths with her but I wound up crossing paths with a girl from Austin, Texas, and um, we started talking and, and we wound up starting dating a little bit. And she was moving in the transition of moving from Austin, where she was a head trainer at an F45, to San Antonio, where <laughs> she played lingerie football. So her, she had a sports agent, all that stuff, where he was a lawyer in town and they were going to open up four or five of them in San Antonio. And she was telling me about their team and, and the marketing strategy, the content and all this. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I love that idea. And I just started, the wheel started turning of like, man, we could do that here. I love the, the concept. I love the brand. I love the, the workout. The product itself is really, really good. Um, and so I was like, let's explore it. So I found a couple of business partners, uh, other, two other former LSU baseball players. Uh, one of the guys is Bo Didier, one of my best friends in the world. And 
and he's just a great salesman, you know, manager of people, understands people a lot. And so uh, I approached Nick Ponoff, another guy that I played with at LSU, and he was like, if we get Bo to do it and run the, you know, the gym and handle all the memberships and the, and the selling of the memberships and stuff like that, he was like, I'm in, I'm like, done. So right then and there, we kind of made the, the idea and all three of us, Bo earned a bunch of sweat equity by, you know, um, by doing all the work, a lot of the work and things like that. And Nick and I put up the money and um, found the location and did all that stuff. And so, yeah, and the rest was history. I love it. And then we, so, we opened up a week before COVID. So literally. So perfect timing. March like 2020. From a, from a business oh, standpoint, awesome. that's the exact time you want to open a exactly. gym yep. nonetheless. Exactly. But wait, Jim, weren't gyms deemed essential? Not at first, or okay. at first they were, but we had, you know what was weird is, I think when we shut down, oh, we did shut down right away. Yeah, we okay. shut down right so they away. Were, they were we, not essential? We were not essential, and then we we made a list after, like, we were open two months later, so it wasn't crazy terrible where we were completely locked out for six months or a year or anything like that. I think it was like two or three months we were locked out, but it was a week after we had opened. I was just sitting at home being like, Okay, well, this is one of the things that could wipe out our business right here, you know, like and probably the most unlikely thing, but it's out of our control now. How, so. do, you, how do you plan? Where do you, where do you put, you know, global pandemic in your business plan? In your risk assessment? Like, yeah. you know, our risk, our, what's our risk for, uh, what's our risk mitigation whenever right. we look at a global pandemic? Like is, and my, I got to get, I got a professor from LSU coming on later this year. I'm asking that question. In your teaching of the business plan class at LSU, do you now have in your risk mitigation measures global pandemic? Like, do you have to put in people and make them think about that? I mean, it's something that affected us for two years. Right. I would imagine. I mean, I would imagine it was pr the language was probably like, um, what's the act of God thing? You know, like oh, so yeah, an act you, of God, an act yeah, of yeah. God. So, um, yeah, that's. I mean, I guess that's what you would you would say. Be like, you know, I think that's what we would. I think we always say, oh, man, like risky right now. The only risks are like. If the economy goes into recession, you know, and people are one of the first things that they do is is cut gym memberships or, you know, something like an act of God where like the building blows up, you know, or something or like, oh, or a global pandemic yeah. where everything shuts down. Cool. Or a place where nobody can get anything on another person. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. like in an active class, people are, are nice, close and, you know, friendly with sweat flying like. Can't have that anymore. Just breathing on each other. Just, yeah, yeah everywhere. It was terrible. We had to get the play. It was a mess. But, hey, I mean, like, if, if we went through that and it's. I and mean, you made it through it. That's what I mean. We made it through. And if we can make it through that, that's, like, gave me a lot of confidence that we can we can do some stuff. Yeah. What was it? The, the the percentages is, like, what, the 9 out of 10 startups fail within, like, the first 24 months? Yep. So if you made it through 24 months of a global pandemic yep. and you're seeing the other side, oh, like. Yeah. What can't you tackle? Oh, that's what I was saying. We made our two-year anniversary recently, so I was like, yep, and through a global pandemic. And opened a new location Yep. as of, what, a week or two ago? Probably probably about a month now, but, yeah, somewhere okay. right around there. It's just started kicking, yeah, So, which was crazy. So, And, again, this is the thing that, as, a, as an entrepreneur, a business person, I take pride in or, like, I appreciate is, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts about a lot of successful entrepreneurs, and it was – Hey, during the crisis, during the crisis, during the, you know, 08, when everything failed, everything failed. I had this opportunity. I had this opportunity. I was like, man, all these successful people saw an opportunity. Where's the opportunity, right? Right. And so with F45, there was an opportunity. They, they needed, you know, liquidity, right? So they were offering locations at a fraction of the prices. So we scooped up two other, you know, locations pretty much for free. Um, so we got that location without putting, we, we, we saved a good amount of overhead on the way up. Right. So there was an opportunity there. So we were like, okay, 
we've, we see the light at the end of the tunnel with location number one. We're liquid. We have a good amount in the bank. So we feel like we're in a good position to do this. And we took advantage of that. And now we got this beautiful location um, and it's thriving over there. That The numbers are even better than the first location. So, so and the, the first location is the one on Blue Bonnet and Highland, right? Correct. So yep. the second location by Bocage is doing better than the first one? It's numbers wise. We don't have as many members, but the structure of the memberships is a little different there. And in the first one, we had to do um, like li lifetime discounted memberships to get, get people on board, you know, that kind of stuff. So price per membership at City Square is a little bit less, but we have more members over there. But the revenue numbers are a little higher at the Bocage one just because price per membership is a little higher. Gotcha. And so can you go and use either location or are you bound to one location? You're bound to one location, but I mean, for the most part, like there's the classes aren't always full. So and it's a close knit group right now while we only have two locations. So for the most part, as long as a member kind of reaches out and asks, Hey, next week I want to go over here. Can we do that? Yeah. It's not a big deal. We'll make it work. Gotcha. And so yeah. you said y'all scooped up two more. Can we talk about where the third one's going to go? Is there a site laid out yet? Where, where is the third one? Cause it sounds like you had three, yeah. right? Well, we have, we have two more locations. So we have the Arlington okay. location, which is right over by where the orange theory is over by the university. So by, um, like we're, what are those oh, yeah, the, the the cottages yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff? You know, like we're all the there's, there's, one, there's one over there. There's a there's an orange theory there. So like okay. we always say if there's an orange theory then we kind of know that that's our market demographic and like we should probably be in the same area. So we scooped that location and we think that's great for all the college kids. And, and that and that's probably in our demographic with the university, the professors, that kind of stuff. Um, but the other one that I think we're probably going to go to for location three, if we do a third location, uh, would be Prairieville. So kind of over by CCL area and like kind of moving into Prairieville, maybe closer to airline somewhere over there. Gosh, yeah, and Prairieville as of late has like started to blow up. Yeah, school a lot of people are, are moving out to Prairieville yeah. and like Ascension Prairie. Like yep. the AP is starting to become a lot more prevalent than it has been over the last decade. I've yep. noticed. Yep. Just like with talking to people, oh yeah, we're moving out to Prairieville. Like that's yep. where we live now. Yeah. Okay. A lot of family. Yeah. A lot of people go out there. Yeah. So, so we're gonna explore it, but that would probably be location number three if I had to guess. Gotcha. And yep. so, like, that's having that as kind of because that was like your first hands-on business, right? Yeah. yeah. And then even more hands-on when it was like, oh, sh we gotta do our, everything ourselves. We can't hire more trainers, right? There's nobody to train right now, so we had to make videos every single day for our members and stuff. So Bo and I were doing it every single day, and our other head trainer, Carrie. Um, and we were, dude, we grinded, but yes, it was very, very hands-on. I was about to say, so how did y'all get through the, the pandemic? It was honestly just being more hands-on. It was getting group chats, you know, Facebook messaging, um, marketing material, not when I say marketing materials, more information to people, right? Hey guys, this is how you keep a good diet during the pandemic. Here are some tips to work out at home. Here are some things to, you know, balance out your mental health while, you know, you can't go and do different things. So it was more, um, communication to our members just still being involved still caring about their journey still caring about their wellness that kind of stuff um and i think we got lucky that we were open for seven days before because we got to meet everybody they saw us they felt us you know um so we didn't have a lot of people quit which was nice i was about to say like what, what was the retention rate from that but i mean just strong actually seven day wow seven that's like telling a restaurant go open for seven days and then close your doors it was i couldn't <laughs> believe it like i just i couldn't believe i remember sitting at my house and being like what happened? Like, how did like, the how? how? Yeah, and we were. And can you imagine the high too that we were riding? Everything was great. We're open. Like, it was awesome. All this hard work that we did led up to this moment, and now it was like the gym's supposed to just be running itself. This is the fun part, you know. Money's coming in, members. We get to meet people, and it's like, psych. <laughs> nope. So, so with within those seven days, did y'all have like any precursor 
of we might have to like something's coming like or was it just all of a sudden you wake up to an email effective immediately we have to shut the doors it was when uh it was the night before when the nba canceled their season it was at night and i was like i called bo and nick and i was like the nba just canceled their season there's no way our gym's gonna be open like they're like they're canceling like the world is shutting down and we were all in disbelief we're like no way this can't happen they and we just it was something like our brains couldn't even conceive at the time. It never happened. You know, like we, we, we didn't live during anything like this. Or yeah, it's nothing no one's familiar with. Exactly. So we didn't even know what to expect. We didn't even know. And then it was just literally when the governor made the announcement or whenever, I was like, wait, what? How do we, how do we live? Like, what do we do? So it was more, it was, it was really confusing times for us for sure. <laughs> but we made it. Y'all Yo, made it. I'm sure now that you've got that. I mean, now you have a content library of just videos of exercise that you can repurpose. And I'm sure you're using on like your website, your social media, yep. like all that's gold. Now yep. you put in all that effort and all that stuff just carries forward. Unless it's a workout goes out of date. I mean, like that's, that's the expiration date on a workout. It's yep. like, Oh, it's no longer effective. It's like, well, yep. I don't know how that could work though. Yeah. And just built personal relationships with our members too. It was fun because we're all in a group chat, right? So we got to see names and faces and learn people and get to know them a little bit more on an intimate level. Right. Um, and so that was the cool part is when we got to open up, we felt like we knew everybody, we were all connected and it, and it kind of gave people that sense of community in a world that was shut down. Right. So, um, it was, it was a good opportunity for us to, to connect with our members for sure. That's good. And then they kind of now expanded into the next location, able to say, Hey, let's do the same, the same thing, but we'd like to see your faces. We don't want to go, we don't want to do a group chat or anything. We want to see y'all's faces in person yes. in studio. Yeah. No more global pandemics. No more staying at home. <laughs> Yeah, please come into the gym for the workout. Yeah, I heard you've got like a little dog you bring to some of the workouts. I do, I do. She comes almost. She goes. She goes a lot of places with me. I mean, I'm surprised she's not. I, sitting I was right about here. to say, like, I'm expecting the dog. To That's come what I should have brought. I mean, I should have brought Lila. She would have been sitting right here. She's a she's a 20, 30, 25, 30 pound French bulldog. She's uh she's she's awesome. She I trained her from day one. I got her in July of twenty twenty during the pandemic uh, and right away, right when we opened the gym, I started bringing her to the gym, like when she was a puppy. Music blasting and I trained her to stay at the front desk so that way she didn't bother any of the members or anything. So she just kind of hangs out there. When the classes are over, she'll walk around a little bit and like mingle and people will pet her, you know, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, she hangs out at the gym. Then I take her to my shop too all the time at uh, Cards and Culture in Perkins Row. She's, uh, she's well-trained, she's awesome. Does she have her own Instagram yet? You know what's funny is I started the little Instagram thing, but I was like, I can't keep up with this. This is too much. I had a few pictures, and I was like, this is this is not for me. I, I, I have another. I have enough things going on to run an Instagram for my no, dog. Man, I'm you like, need, no. you need an Instagram for your dog. She would kill it. She'd be, the problem was she would get way more followers than me, and I'd be like running her Instagram. I'd be like, I had to really check myself and be like, dude, you're running an Instagram for a dog. So that's, I was just a little nervous about it. I put it on the back burner. But she would probably, probably kill it on Instagram, idea. yeah. Have her like be the face of cars and culture. She pr She's going to develop into the face of cards and culture. Sometimes she sits, right, we have like a ledge and there's like big windows, you know, and people will be walking by and they'll just poke their heads and be like, is the dog real? And be like, oh, she's real. Come on in, meet her. You know, so she's, <laughs> she's, she's part of the brand. Exactly. She gets, she's all part of the experience. I mean, you, you got some opportunity to work there. Your, your logo is a hollow logo, right? So it's just the letters and the circle and the, you know, the, the C and the C. I think you can fit in the background of the shadow, like have a shadow of an outline of her face in like a different color. Oh, I, like I think if you, if you make like some swag or some hats, it would nice. sell. We could do the, the dog ears because the Frenchie's got the big ears. You know, you could do it somewhere in there, too. Oh, that's right. Look, and then possibilities. So, and then once you once you attach her to cars and culture, now you just start doing, like, competition with Raising Cane. 
<laughs> Who's got the better dog brand? Oh my god, that would be a great marketing campaign. Like, probably put me under real quick, but uh, that's okay. You could still have a fight. <laughs> that's it. That would be a good one. I like that. I'm gonna take that page. That, uh, but that then, 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 like, so you you bring this this whole all this stuff like crescendos up like this this battle between golden retriever and French bulldog, and then all of a sudden you had this crest where they like meet at a canes, and you like film this standoff. <laughs> And then, like, they all go in and, like, eat a bowl of food or something. And it's over. Very <laughs> anticlimactic. It's very anticlimactic. <laughs> but, like, the branding on that yes. alone. The buildup would be amazing. Like, exactly. Yes, like, yeah. like, right, like, Kane's got a got an Instagram. You know, Lila has an Instagram. I think. There'd be some battles. There'd be, that would be fun. But I feel like the, the Kane's army is probably a lot stronger than yeah, the, the guards and culture. That's not the point. That's not the point, Anthony. That's not, you're missing the point here. <laughs> but I could do the thing like with people when they pick fights with Drake, you know, like the big rappers, you that's know, right. like or the little rappers. Like that, that'll be me. I'll be picking a fight with them so I can get some followers, you know, and get Lila some clout. That'll be good. That's it. That's, that's, that's all that's about building all about. Lila's clout. That's it. That's what we're here for. But you, so you got. But the thing is, so Kane, like the the brand is all over merch. But I don't know if there's actually a picture of like Kane. There might be some on some shirts. But you start yeah. throwing out some Lila merch. Game over. Nobody can compete. Start with taking that. pictures of her in front of the games. <laughs> <laughs> Just start trolling them that start way. Them. <laughs> Find the new uh, football coach mobile and like post up right in Beat front of the it. mobile. Yes. <laughs> that would be so good. Or go the same day and like walk in the background as like that they're taking photos. Just slow troll. There's so amazing. much. So much can be done there. I like that. You got the ideas. I got to start coming over here. This is this is the innovation place for sure. We got beer. That's that's de- that's definitely a strong plus. I would offer tequila, but we and we finished that off. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's I love our, it. We got a graveyard behind us. That's good. Um, <laughs> so, so you, you've got F forty five. I mean, now you decide all of a sudden let's open a brick and mortar store <laughs> in twenty twenty in COVID when nobody can go anywhere. Like you've already made two solid business decisions at this point. <laughs> Well, that's where I was like, I've convinced myself that this is an opportunity, right? Um, and that's where I was like, I had this this pandemic hit me, and I was like, what do I do now? How do, what do, how do I keep my time busy? You know, I can't go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. I had some basketball cards, made a little Instagram about it, started selling things. Pandemic, you know, kind of heightened the collectibles market with The Last Dance and things like that. It was kind of people's, especially gamblers and, and things like that, people's competitive fix. <laughs> Uh, with sports and things so uh, I think I saw an opportunity where if I could time it right with Perkins Row because I wouldn't open up a brick and mortar shop unless there was foot traffic and and that kind of stuff with with collectibles yeah Um, because I feel like it's a very museum feel hall of fame type feel you know and I was like if I can create that kind of atmosphere but also still sell merchandise sports cards art vinyl figures sneakers things like that I think we could do something really cool and then dual purpose the space for multimedia stuff, right? For the podcast that I was doing, you know, autograph signings for athletes where I could create a better experience for the athlete and the consumer. And as things started opening back up, it could be a cool spot for the community to come to and kind of celebrate their athletes and and things like that. So I saw an opportunity. It was something that was definitely far-fetched and um, I threw a lot of money and time into, but it's it's something I think is going to really pay off. I think now we're really finding our way, and and it's been really really fun for me to kind of be on this true startup journey where it's my idea and, and rolling into a true business. I love that. So, yeah. what were some of the kind of hiccups to getting a brick and mortar in Perkins Row? Yeah. I mean, like when you when you think of Perkins Row, for some businesses, like yeah, that's where we want to be. That's the space we got to be. Yeah. But I'm sure, like, were there just vacant spots from COVID? Like again, were you yep. seeing that? Hey, I just need to outlast this thing. 
And that's kind of what it was is I had driven by Perkins Row and, and a couple of my friends lived there and stuff. And, and one of my best friends just moved in there. So I was walking around and I could see the businesses going in and out. And then there was just this one prime location that I just loved. It had double doors, which was a little different than some of the other spaces. And to me, there was something about that. And I was just like, I walked past it and I noticed that the impeccable pig had had gone out of business. And so I just literally called the landlord just to get a ballpark on the number. And it was somebody out in Texas. And so that was my first hiccup was I was kind of hoping that during a pandemic, I could leverage a little bit, you know, hey, I'm a former LSU player, former MLB player. I'm trying to bring a collectible shop. It would be something that would help, you know, foot traffic and things like that. But this lady had no idea who I was like and I, and I don't expect people to know who I am. But in right. Baton Rouge, it's it's a benefit to say I played at LSU baseball. We won a national championship and this is why it'll help business. Right. This lady had no idea. She's like, OK, great. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll let you know our prices and stuff, you know. So um, <laughs> that was my first hiccup was like, OK, that didn't go the way that I thought yeah. it would, you know. Um, and it sounds arrogant, but I just was like my communication style and why I was even approaching it, you know, like I didn't and that kind of stuff. So, um, but once we kind of ironed out the details and she told me, Hey, look, this is what we normally charge, but because we need some tenants in there and I'll actually give you a pop-up rate instead of like a full four or five year lease where you have to do a personal guarantee, all these different things. We, we need some bodies in the building and, and I get it. So she sent me a deal and I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, Hey, if we can get it to this number, you got a deal and you got a tenant for a year. And so she got it to that number and it worked really well. And it was probably about half of what I think the previous tenant was paying um, and so again, opportunity, Look, half right? Of something's better than half of nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I've heard a few times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, oh, and man. like just from taking it as like an, a multimedia space approach, you've got a show, you've got a podcast that you're doing and developing. You need a space just for that. Exactly. Like, if you're going to, if you're going to put money into rent for a building that you're going to turn into a business later on and hope to build throughout COVID, why not at least just have a bomb in space for your multimedia side of things? Exactly. And that's what I that's what I saw that as as a, as like a backup. If I was like not even a backup, but I was like if I can can turn this into a community meeting ground, right? Of athletes, entertainers, influencers, that kind of stuff, but also um, you know, people that like to collect things and comics, cards, sneakers, art, that kind of stuff. It's like we can build a, a cool little melting pot here. And I think we could be pretty profitable. So, um, and, it, and it's worked out really well. We've done some really cool multimedia stuff. And then I think we, we, I know we kill it on the retail side of things. It's, it's going really well. That's good. And so do you have anything like for, like with NIL, like what, what has happened with that from your perspective with the store? That's been a whirlwind for me because another reason why I wanted the brick and mortar location was because I knew NIL was coming. I was like, okay, there's going to be an, a time that I can pay student athletes to come have a podcast with me and I can make t-shirts and hats with their numbers and memorabilia and I can tell their story and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and that was a big reason why I wanted the brick and mortar location, but I opened my doors July one, July one was when the NIL was passed. I thought it was going to be the next year, two years. Oh, so you didn't know it was going to happen that soon. Not that soon. And I okay. was like, oh man, this is, I better, I better <laughs> get going. You know? So I, I felt like a lot of stuff We're fast happened. forwarding all of our decisions. Exactly. So I think I rushed into a lot of things. I did some really cool stuff with uh, Darius Days and Caleb Pointer. Um, we did a few things with a few football players, like breaking cards, but not any big deals or anything like that. But um, I was able to pay them. I was able to have them come into the shop and just say that they were there, able to give them shirts and hats and things like that. Um, we worked with a couple female athletes, which was really cool because I think, um, you know, just working with diverse individuals and telling their stories from a different angle is really fun for me. So I had a couple soccer players come in and, and even their pay was a little different, right? I got to give them a couple hype sneakers that as their compensation, which was 
a little different than just a ha- like a, a cash grab, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So I've enjoyed the NIL experience. It was definitely overwhelming at first, but I think as I figure out our process and where we fit in that, um, I think it's going to be hugely beneficial to to businesses and for the players, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, and once so like you're you're getting, you've got that name brand recognition of being the place for collectibles, and so you already do produce like some merch for some people. Yep. So now like get into the business of working with these athletes and making like their own brand. That, oh no, we encourage okay. the, 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 the snap crackle and pop. <laughs> nice, okay. Um, so like even being able to encourage them, say, hey, let's make like a sneaker line for you. Yeah. Like, is that something that's on the table, y'all are tossing around that idea yep. of doing like branded merch with these athletes. Yep. And that's exactly what I think it was so exciting about cards and culture was that original memorabilia feel almost right of we can create merchandise for them, but also then trading cards or collectibles, or like you said, sneaker shoes, maybe we can buy them a pair of Jordans. We can partner with an artist and they can do some really cool content and write, you know, design things on the shoe for the player that's unique to them and tells their story and has meaning and sentimental value then after the game the player signs it and cards and culture auctions it auctions it and a fan gets this really cool memorabilia piece that's a one-of-one that cards and culture created or helped the athlete create right so i think there's so many possibilities that we want to do in that world it's just a matter of what the value is for the athlete what the value is for the business where do we you know each make money or where does the money get dispersed, you know, dispensed to all the, the, the logistics, stuff. Exactly. the money logistics, the lame stuff, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I feel like all these athletes, everybody, <laughs> some of these stories that you hear about these athletes getting paid is like some of these guys want astronomical guys and girls want astronomical numbers. And it's like, who's paying you this stuff? You know? Yeah. Like where are you pulling this number out of? Right. Well, and I think that, so when you, when you look at the NIL, it's very similar to that of influencer marketing, right? Yes. It's very, they go hand in hand. And so when influencer marketing started getting the big push and for locals, that started being a really affordable option, right? Pay somebody to come to my shop, talk about it, do a live, do whatever, or with restaurants, give you a free comp, you a free meal on your whole table, a free meal for you to write a good review. You post some videos, blah, 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 whatever it may be. But then you started getting with these people that started having this not significant amount of followings, a decent following. I mean, when you, when you start getting into the five, the 10, the 15,000, like, that's a serious amount of followers. Yeah. When you have more followers than you have like friends, I'm like, all right, like you're like you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. Like like I look I like I look at like our numbers and I say, okay, how many followers? Well, what 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 are our stats? And I go, how many people are not connected to me? That's the number that I really care about because that shows the growth beyond my family and friends. Yes. Like, oh yeah, go follow, go support, go do all yeah. this and yeah. that. Like that's the number that really impacts because that's the number of people who are looking outside of your immediate network and wanting to interact and engage with you. Correct. And so if you've got these people coming in with these, you know, me, what I would classify as mediocre numbers, our numbers are stupid low. Like, I'm not even going to try to be yeah. like, oh, yeah, we've got all these big numbers. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no. But again, those people that get those those numbers of 5, 10, 15,000, they come in like, hey, we need, we need a pretty big check to do before we do anything. Yeah, and, like, and it's like, why? <laughs> why? My first question is, okay, well, Great, love love the number you're you're, you're coming with, right. love it. What's your engagement? Yeah, <laughs> show me some numbers, yeah, show yeah, me some yeah. analytics yeah, on the back end. I, I need some interaction within your within your brand. Who's interacting yep. with you? What are those numbers? Yep. Because I know I can go and pay one hundred and fifty dollars to a company on Fiverr, and I can get twenty thousand followers tomorrow. Exactly. So, what's your engagement rate? Do you yep. really have twenty thousand followers, or do you have two thousand followers and eighteen fake? Yep. Or 18 bots. I'm sorry, yeah, or 18 bots. Bot. Yep, yep. And so it's like, oh, you've got 20,000 followers. You've got 20 likes on yeah. 
five of your posts. Exactly. That's, I'm not going to pay you this astronomical fee because the second I pay it, I'm going to be set up the next person in line yep. to be expected to pay that same fee. Yep. And so, like, I feel like what you were saying with the, with the NIL deal, a lot of people came in saying, oh, I'm going to make, you know, million dollars, right. one piece of content. Yeah. Like, you have 5,000 followers. Yeah. Slow your roll. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I like working with, you know, smaller teams, the females, too, because women care way more about guys. They're so engaging. That's what I'm saying. And they just care more. Like, they want their, they want their pictures to look better. They're going to interact with their fans. They, they care about the engagement, like you said. And where the guys are like, oh, I press post, it's over. Get my check, you know, that's it. On, on to the next one. On to the next. And that's so that's been my experience as a business owner. And and in the beginning, I thought it would be fun and educational for the athletes to be like, hey, I'll give you a percentage of our profits, right? Which means the more that you market it, the more money we make, which means more money into your pocket. That didn't work at all. They don't care about that. Flat like, fee. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to get to is be like flat fee. Cool. I can market everything and not even worry about when you post, how you post, or anything, and then all the profit just comes back to us, you know, but trying to find that number is a lot harder, like, because that's what they, they think that they're, I shouldn't say that, a lot of people think that they're worth a lot more than what they are right now. Well, and it's, again, it's such a new space. That's why, yeah. We all, you know, everybody in that space wants to shoot as high as they can yep. and then start working their way back down. Correct. Because <clears throat> the last thing you want to do is undersell yourself, right? right. So as, as, a, as a, an athlete, as an influencer, the last thing you want to do is come in and say, look, I'll do it for, you know, I'll do a month for a hundred bucks. And the business owner's <laughs> like, okay. And then they feel like they're being taken advantage of. Yep. So they want to start at that higher number and then slowly work our way down to something that's more reasonable and attainable and actually is profitable for the business owner because they're saying, yeah, we're, we're paying you, we're paying you, but we're seeing a higher, a greater ROI than what we're paying you. Let's yep. continue it going. You know, they don't want to come in with some super low ball feel and then be like, well, I guess this is what I'm worth. You know, and then they, they want to shoot that over the moon shot and, yeah. you know, shoot your shot, right? Exactly. <laughs> and they probably have their friends telling them like, hey, dude, yeah, I might get 500 from so-and-so. I might get this from that. And it's like, it's all just hearsay, right? So that's the thing that I think kids get caught up in. And that's the hard part is, and like, and then they have to understand it from a business perspective of like, okay, I'm giving you this to try to get this. And if it, if I don't get it, then I can't give you this, you know? <laughs> well, And that's when, you know, the business owners say, let's go to a month to month contract. And initially, they're like, no, no, a year. Like, sign us for a year. It's like, we understand where you're coming from. But as a business owner, we're taking a gamble, a right. large gamble, that you're going to treat our baby yep. as we treat our baby. Right. And if you don't, because you've got six or eight of the brand deals, we're just going to be another weekly post. Yep, exactly. You're not going to come and actually genuinely care about what we're doing. And yep. so when you find those those lower, I would almost be more encouraged to pay the lower follower athletes or influencers that have the higher rate yep. because they know that their following cares and they care and they're going to give you way more than you pay for that, that's and, what, and, and and no fault of their own by their pricing they're just like we like we're reasonable within our rates here it is but you know that they care because they've organically grown and done what they've done and really want to push out everything as best as they can because it's a reflection on them exactly and you know they may have four or five thousand followers but yep. they get like three or four thousand likes yep. two or three hundred comments you know people are engaging like where'd you get this where'd you get that yep. they got people in their dms where can we buy this where can we buy that that want to support what they're after yep. those are the ones that are going to make it in the long run than those coming in with some manufactured numbers and statistics trying to get the highest dollar absolutely 
I think what you're saying, like authenticity wins in that space, right? So people will sniff that stuff out if it's just a post, right? If all of a sudden I'm talking about this, that lamp over there that I don't nothing about, but somebody asked me to post about it, people will know that versus, man, Anthony's really into sports cards. He does this stuff every day or fitness, right? Like all these things, like that's more authentic, authentic to me. You can hear it in my voice and the way I'm passionate about things. And that's the things that I'm looking for with, with NIL individuals, people that are passionate about telling their story and, and collaborating with me as a brand, you know, and, and telling our story as well. Yeah, it'd be like if you came on tomorrow on your story, hey guys, I'm out live in front of XYZ fast food chain yeah, right. talking about their new dollar <laughs> yes. menu. Yes. Like. Guys, <laughs> promise, check it out. Oh, sw- swipe up and hit my link too. Make sure you use that when I buy when you buy. <laughs> it's like exactly. Anthony, you you own you own us, you know. You own a sports a sports yeah. complex. Like you, you, own, you, you own a, a training you facility. Smoothie. Yeah, you own it. You eat at Smoothie King every day. Stop. We know you're not at the fast food place. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you get with like Main Squeeze or somebody? You <laughs> yes, know, something that exactly. makes sense. Right. And I, what I love to see is when play when people come in, whether it's a social media influencer or an, an NIL athlete, when they focus on the brands that make sense yes. for who they are as a person, as an individual, those are the ones that, like you said, they're authentic in what they do, and ultimately will drive sales a lot better. Yes. Like if people start seeing me posted out in front of cards and culture talking about sports, they're going to be like, all right, Patrick, <laughs> what's, like, what's, what's, Anthony, what's Anthony giving you? <laughs> like how much do you get paid to be there? That's right. Because yes. I'm like, I don't know sports. Like I enjoy watching. Great. Right. Love all that. But like, don't start asking me. Like when you started going over your velocity rates, yeah, I was like, like, we're, yeah, it's we're not going down the rabbit hole. That's it. Like, that's, I love that's that. That's all I know. I love that. Like, all right, you throw it. the ball fast. Wait, like, no, that's slow. Oh, okay. okay. Sounded fast to me. So, <laughs> next question. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just being good. your true self. Yeah, authentic. And yep. so all of that kind of has played into a part in what you're doing now in the digital space. Like, I'm not going to lie. I went to tag you today in Twitter, and I pulled up your, your users, <laughs> and I was like, what this is that like, picture? Who is this? I'm like, what in the world? Like, this is not Anthony. Yeah. Like, I know what the dude's face looks like. This yep. is not him. Yep. And I was like, Carson Culture, same thing. It's, yep. None of this looks remotely familiar. Yep. So then I went on and I was like, okay, no, it is him. And then I was like, oh, this guy. Yeah. This this guy's going with the NFTs. Oh, dude, I'm I'm deep into it. I I'm I'm exploring into it. And that's why so you're talking about my Twitter profile picture. I'm I'm definitely one of those people that has the the profile picture with with an NFT right now, but um, I'm exploring Twitter and exploring this space. I think it's something that's innovative. It's new. Um, I hear a lot of people compare it to like, you know, when the internet came around and, and this new technology and, and how our brains can't even conceptualize the technology yet. <clears throat> so that's why I've just dipped in in so many different ways. I just want to understand it. I just want to try it. I just want to learn. Um, and so Twitter is one of those mediums that I'm definitely using to, to do that stuff. Definitely so, some so, space cadet stuff. Yeah, space cadet <laughs> I call myself a space cadet a lot. Ca- Why? <laughs> just I'm just out there. Yeah, I'm okay. just out there. I'm just like I'm just doing weird. St- you're like, what do you do? What are you up? You're you're in you're in space, bro. You're just out there. You're just you know you're weird like that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have to be almost. Yeah. Like you have to be dipping your toes in all these different types of stuff that you have no idea about. But as an entrepreneur, you want to figure it out as you go, right? right. You know, you you may think you want to start off as a tech company that's focused around you know real estate, for example, and then all of a sudden you find yourself having conversations about opening like a podcast studio. You know, it's just like you don't know where it's going to take you when you're starting out. It's wherever it goes, it goes. That's the thing I love about entrepreneurship, and that's been my story, right, is I try stuff. I figure out what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, 
And even the things that I'm not good at, if it's important to my business, I want that feedback. And the only way to do it is to dive in, to try it, to make the mistakes, to, to learn the hard way. Right. And like, I use this analogy with our workers a lot at the shop and because fear of failure is really important to me, understanding it and trying to the best to eliminate it. And, and I always tell our, our workers, like when you were a kid, your mom told you not to touch the stove. Right. And you could listen, you could hear her say that all you want, but you don't really know it and, and understand why she's telling you not to touch the stove until you burn your hand and feel it and be like, Ooh, that's why I don't want to do it. Okay. And so that's what I feel like business is. Right. And you got to try stuff and you got to throw stuff against the wall and be like, did that stick? Nope. It's sliding down. That's not the move. You know, like, like that kind of feedback <laughs> is good. It's not done. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> but that's, but that to me is like what I try to do. And that's what I'm doing with NFTs. That's what I try to do in business and try to um, tell people at our shop. Right. I'd rather you send an email and learn that it was the wrong way to do it. And that they said no because of this than to not send the email at all. We're in the same position if you didn't send the email, you know, like, but you got to learn that that, way it wasn't good you know or it was good they loved it and that's the way you're gonna you know use going forward so you gotta yeah. try stuff and you have to have that you know not necessarily like no fear at all but right. like an understood an understanding of the calculated risk of doing you know abc right. steps like i <laughs> so for for me it wasn't the hot stove when i was growing up <laughs> it was uh electrical sockets oh <laughs> And, and and keys. Oh my God! You wanted to stick keys in there? Oh, uh, I was like, I was, I was a little toddler. I was yeah. playing with some keys, and my dad was sitting there like, "Hey, like, don't stick those in anything. <laughs> you know, it's not going to end well." And then I'm just sitting there, and, all, and we have like this this bar, and there's this outlet like right at my my eye level, and I'm just looking at the outlet. And I'm like, I'm looking at the keys. <laughs> All of a sudden, my dad just like leans up against the table. It's just like, I'm just going to yep. see what's going to happen. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm like, you know, curiosity, curiosity yep. killed the cat, right? Absolutely. So I just stuck him in there and like shocked myself. And I immediately turned and see my dad right there. He's like, bet you won't do it again. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was like, like, no, sir. Yep. Won't happen you. again. He's <laughs> like, sometimes you just, you got to let them try. Exactly. And same thing in business. If you know, yep. like you like you said, you want to try as many things as you can. What sticks, what doesn't? NFTs may stick, they may not, yep. but at least you can say I gave it a shot. Yep. And at the worst case scenario, some people laugh at me and be like, "Dude, remember those things that you had as your profile picture and like that you thought were going to be cool?" 20 years from now, we laugh about it and we move on. You know what I'm saying? And be like, "Yeah, I thought it was cool." Yeah. Game over. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's it. and if you're okay with knowing that that's like people might judge you people might laugh at you and if you're okay and secure enough in who you are as a person like what does that really matter right but the the reward is even better if this technology does turn into something maybe you're on the forefront of innovating and changing the game in collectibles right like so to me it's a risk reward that's a no-brainer you know and I, and I might as well try it it's what is the worst possible outcome right and once you can accept that nothing else matters I love that you know, if you go into a, an idea or a situation, you say, look, what is the, if I go all in in NFTs, for right. example, like if I go all in and I start pushing like all these digital products and all this digital space and I go all in on it, what's the worst possible outcome? Yep. I, I, I'm out a couple bucks yeah. and people say, hey, Anthony, you know, remember that time you thought digital was going to be a really big space and yeah. it turned out to be a major flop? <laughs> and you say, yeah, it was. But guess what I learned? Boom, 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 boom. You learn all these lessons through all these quote unquote failures, but yep. in reality, it's just a teaching moment. Absolutely. You're just learning about how not to do something or what was a fad that turned out to be nothing in perpetuity. But then on the upside that people kind of fail to bring into the picture, yep. like look at the upside here. Yep. The upside is if you're on something like you said, if you're on the forefront and this stuff blows up, 
great. Who am I going to trust in Baton Rouge when it comes to an NIL deal within the NFT space? Yep. Cars and culture. Yep. Like, that's where I'm going to go because that's they've made a name for it. Yep. And I think he's got this dude as a dang, you know, um, emoji on his on his <laughs> Twitter profile <laughs> right, photo. Right, like, right. That's what, it is what it is. Yeah. And honestly, too, like, in my experience, when you do stuff like that, even when you do fail, there's so many good things that come out of it, whether it's people that you met along the way, lessons that you learned, right, skills that you acquired. And, too, like, one of the other things, too, is – I think it says a lot about somebody's character if they can try things, fail, and still remain a good person, right? Still treat people well. People can say all they want about, like, hey, his ideas were crazy, blah, 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 but, like, the way you make people feel, the way that you treat them goes even more, right? So as long as even when adversity and stuff's hitting the fan and and messing up for you in life, as long as you can treat people well and you can still keep your head on straight, like, like, life's going to be fine. You're going to get another job. You're going to get another opportunity. You're going to get, you know, like, life, you're not going to, shrivel up and die like just because you made a bad decision you know or, or you tried something and, and that to me is kind of my philosophy with it is to me there's there's just way more to learn and grow from than than to be scared of you know yeah there's no point in not trying exactly you can always go back and go the safe route <laughs> exactly once right? once you know the the unsafe route was so a failure if if cards and culture fails tomorrow i'll I'll have 20 different applications out, you know, the next day to go get a job. And I feel pretty confident that somebody will hire me. Like that's, that's what I believe. So you'll, 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 you'll be okay. Yeah, I'll be fine. So, uh, Anthony, we could go on for, for hours and hours. Um, but we got to start wrapping up the show. And as we do, I know, <laughs> I know it's like, that's, that's like the, the bittersweet of doing Been an hour already. Yeah. It does fly by. Were, yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, it's like that's that's the the down the bittersweetness of doing a, a show is yeah. uh, we have to we have to end it at some point, you know. Yeah. Um, so within that though, we have a set list of four questions we like to ask. Nice. Um, the first question is, what are three lessons you've learned along the way? I mean, you've been in a lot of different spaces, from sports to businesses to franchisee to having a digital picture as a Twitter profile. <laughs> like you've been all over the place. Right. So what are three lessons you've kind of learned along the way? Great question. Um, I think the first one is under self-awareness. So like understanding who you are as a person, what, what makes you tick, what makes you, wh- what drives you, right? Like what is success to you? What's your purpose behind everything? So I think understanding and, and self-actualization, self-awareness, whatever you want to call it, I would say is number one and, and understanding your why and why you do things. Two, I would say, is probably erasing that fear of failure that we just talked about is understanding that things are going to go sideways, things are bad, things are going to happen, but it's, and, and, and a lot of things are out of your control, but what's in control is your response to things um, and the way that you treat people, right? And that's that's a big thing for me, and professionality is, is huge. And the third thing, I don't know, I think... I think the thing that I would say is is surround yourself with good people, right? Like, and and build a team and and have trusted people around you for the things that you're not good at. But that goes back to self actualization and self awareness. The first thing is understanding I'm not good at this, so I need to hire this, right? Or I need to partner with this. Um, and so being able to do that, swallow your pride, exercising humility, um, are all part of that. And I think that hiring the right people is is huge. So I would say those three. Yeah, and realizing that there's only 24 hours in a day. Oof. I should have actually put that before one. That should be like, like the, that the, is... the 100%. That's been a huge one for me even the last like six months. I don't know what it's been the last six months, but just being like, slow down. Like you, you can't do everything in, right now. It's fine. You, you, you can't. You can't do everything. And striking a balance, 
between personal and business is tough. Oof. That's a great one too. Yep. Like just realizing, I mean, I've got, I'm coming up on a, a six month old, right? So it's like balancing. Congratulations. The, thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's balancing the act of business and personal and realizing you can't do everything you were doing as you know, yep. a young buck yep. in college and staying out till the wee hours of the night. And I was never like the partying wee hours. Of the night. Right. I was like in meetings with people, like doing business development, yeah. like thinking through things and creating ideas and all this. But it's like, you can't do that now. Because then you never get to see the the personal side of things. Like you never get to have that family time. And so having that balance is you have to understand that everyone is given the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours. You have to execute on as many as possible, but understand you need to reserve some for personal time or family time. You can't be 24-7 business. Yeah. Some people can, and it's great for those that can. But a vast majority of the crowd just cannot something will fall to the wayside. Yep. And the one that's going to fall to the wayside is the one that you're probably not going to like. Yep. That's a great point. I love that. And I mean, it's so true too. And the personal and business too is, that was a huge one for me. And even friends in business too. Bo Didier is one of my best friends. We've learned the hard way. Friendship and business is really, really hard too. So separating the two is, is very, very important. But what's even harder is family and business. Oof. I can't imagine that. Because at least... You may not see your friend on Thanksgiving. You're going to probably see your family on Thanksgiving. That's a good point. And sit around that table. That's a good point. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So the, the next question is, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? I feel like I do. I, 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 I sell <laughs> we Pokemon. We didn't have that answer. That's awesome. <laughs> I sell Pokemon cards in my shop. I mean, dude, that's you what I was doing. Pokemon cards. Dude, we do everything. Yeah, like, I didn't yeah. know. I thought it was just sports cards. Nah, Pokemon, Magic, the dude, all Yu-Gi-Oh. Of it. Uh, you, we, we don't. I'm not. I'm not well versed in Yu-Gi-Oh, but I would okay. love to have Yu-Gi-Oh in my shop. Yeah. Do you but, have like Pokemon tournaments? No, but I would love to. Uh, dude, host some Pokemon tournaments. So I've had a couple Magic people be like, "Hey, we want to host like a Magic, you know, tournament at the shop." I'm like, "Done. Game over." I would love that. Do it um, and film it. That would be sick, right? But I don't know. I mean, the, the answer to the question, I feel like I, I get to live my childhood dream, I feel like, every day. I get to work out for a living. Um, I go to a card shop and collectible shop and stuff like that. Um, but I think, honestly, like, having my parents drive me places. That would be, like, I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> or having somebody, like, <laughs> having little, a driver. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. having something like that where it's, like, it's a, not a mundane thing. But as a kid, you were, like, you just take it for granted of, like, man, Mom and dad pay for everything. They drive me play, you know, like all these little things. Um, so something like that, I feel like would be like, like something for me. Well, I mean, it goes, so I, I, I see that in the respect of it goes back to you only have 24 hours in the yeah. day, right? So if you're driving from place to place to place, that time is being absorbed. Unless you schedule your conference calls where you have somebody taking notes for you right. and you can just talk while you drive. That's one thing. But for those times where you can't talk and drive, like having a driver or someone to bring you around is not so much of a, a class or an elegant status. It's no, I need this so I can continue working. It's a functionality or like efficiency it's a, it's a, thing. It, right, it's, yeah. an, it's an efficiency thing, yeah. you know, like, like Mark, Mark Wahlberg just got a, I was, cause I'm into cars. Right. And so he was talking about West coast customs, did a car for him yeah. and they built it like with Wi-Fi boosters and like a folding desk that he could work while he was getting driven around town, yeah. like, or like on movie sets, he can come off the set sit in his car and like do his work for his other businesses that he's involved in. And I'm like that idea of having a mobile office with someone to bring you around from your location to location like that is, it's a great idea for one. Maybe it's a little expensive, but like having that ability, like you said, having your parents drive you around and that freedom of like, I don't have to worry about getting in the car and like 
where am I going? You know, or it's navigating brain power. And that's where you're like, if like, there's only so much, I tell people this at the, at the shop all the time is like, sometimes I, the employees that I have there, I'm paying you to help just free up some of this brain power that I don't have to think about. Right. So it's like, hey. I have to get in the car. What's the location? How far do I have to go? What street? Like, that's a lot of thinking. If you can just sit in the car and relax, or you can just be on your phone and be like, okay, cool. I can bang out these emails or text messages that I've need to catch up on. It goes mm. a long way. It really does. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like even navigating unfamiliar territory. Like you have to, yes. you, then you yep. have to look at your maps. Go, okay. Yep. Well, wait, this is not exactly perfect. Like, you know, like today when you yep. showed up, you're like, yes. Hey man, yeah. I'm in the middle of a parking lot. I think I'm here. I yeah. think I'm here. There's a very big building, <laughs> a very small sign. Yes. I'm like, you're at the right place. Yes. This is the place. <laughs> this, yes, you're here. But just stuff like that. You don't think about it when you're doing it from a business perspective of, I could be focusing on something else. Correct. When in reality you could. Yep. Like for, for me, the biggest thing is like writing down my daily tasks of what I'm supposed yeah. to do on like a task tracker. Nice. And then it's like, okay, that's all freed up. Right. And then I just, I finish something. All right, what else next? All right, boom, knock yep. it out. And you don't have to keep remembering, oh, I've got a meeting tomorrow at 2.30 with so-and-so. I've got to remember, oh, I've got to go here, go there, go this and do that. Yep. Like I will tell everybody if they're like, hey, can you talk with me this day? I said, send me a meeting maker. Yeah, please. Like, yeah. Dude, we're going to get coffee. I'm like, send me a meeting maker. Yeah. Like that, that's how I run things is on a, a calendar, on a meeting schedule, or like I need to know when and where I'm going to be essentially every minute of the day. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Who am I talking with? What am I working on? Just so I can then focus on the task at hand and do it to the best of my ability. I need to do that before I go to sleep at night just to like, because otherwise, if I'm in bed and I haven't thought about what I'm doing the next day or I haven't looked at my schedule, I'm like, did I call that person? Are they ready? Do they know that I'm going? Like, you know, this case, like, is everybody okay at the shop? Like without, you know, like all these, like, can different I things. go? Yeah. Can I? Yeah. So I'm the same way. And it's like, it's just that mental freedom of like, cool. Everything, all my ducks are in a row. Everything's organized. Everybody knows where I'm going to be good. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's finding little things like that is huge over the long term of successful business operators. Absolutely. So what is something you love about Baton Rouge? There's a lot of things I love about Baton Rouge. Um, I would say that just in general, like if I had to just generalize it, the people, just the way that they carry themselves, their hospitality, their openness, um, their generosity, that kind of stuff, um, just resonates a lot more with me than, and again, I, I'm comparing it to New Jersey because that's, that's, that's where yeah, you're from. You got 17 years. It. Yep. Um, so absolutely. <clears throat> that's what, that's what I would say is the people. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a very common theme. Is it? within this yeah, yeah. Like i feel like food and people go together too because like right <laughs> the people are cooking the food they got the traditions the the recipes and that's stuff that you don't see everywhere else right like today you can go google like the best if you're gonna if you were in alabama and you want to do crawfish you could be like louisiana crawfish and you google the recipe right but here in louisiana it's like no this is how my grandma does it we do this <laughs> like you know like well it's just a little different it feels yeah. different so that's why i think people and food and that culture kind of goes together more yeah. of a connection there yes. instead of you know like you said in new jersey you wave at somebody and like Waving at me. Do, look I, do, away. I, do I have something I on me? Like, what, like, what's <laughs> yeah. happening? Like, yeah, what do you want from like, me? What, yeah, what do you want from me? Whereas here, they're like, hey, Anthony, how's yeah. it going? You're like, what? Well, that was honestly a funny story. When I first got here, um, I remember my one of my roommates was Micah Gibbs. He was from Texas. And this same per this, this lady, she asked three different times. I walked out the stadium, you know, like, and I was going to my car. She's like, Anthony, we'd love to have you over and cook for you, you know, like, and like, just have you over and, and cook some dinner. And I was like, okay, I'll let you know. And I just remember getting in my car and then going to Mike and be like, dude, this lady keeps telling me that she wants me to come to her house, dude. What does she want from me? Like, what does she think I'm going to do? Like, she thinks I'm going to pay her to like feed. And he was like, I think she just wants to cook for you, dude. You need to relax. And I'm like, 
No, there's definitely no way that somebody would just cook <laughs> dinner for you and not want something. Like, like she's going to hold that over my head like a year from now and expect me to do something. And he's like, I think you're a little jade. Like, the South is different, buddy. <laughs> you know? She so really was, just wants to cook for you. She just wants you. to cook for you. And that's the thing that in New Jersey, it was like, oh, you're doing something for me? What, what do you want? Like, yeah. like you're going to want what's, something what's your six, yeah, six months from now or something. like. So it's just that mindset of, like, we don't trust people. We're not open, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's funny that that's what I love about the South. I really do. So, you know, I got to ask the question. Did you go and have dinner with this lady? <laughs> I did. Yeah. You did? <laughs> and she's still, and she's honestly one of my dad's best friends nowadays. Like she I love comes, it. yes, her name's Binky. And, and I just remember her being so nice to me and I just being like, this lady Binky keeps wanting to like, you know, like cook for me. What does she want? Like, but it's, I think that's just like, that was, that was me just coming down here and, and having a culture shock, you know, it was cool. Dude, it's. So whenever we, whenever we had our, our son, Quentin, we, so I lived down the street from the K lady. Nice. And she showed up with like this big bowl of spaghetti <laughs> and like and noodles. She's like, here, y'all enjoy. She's like, I don't want like, I know you're busy. Like, bye. I'm like, where are you going? Like, <laughs> what do I do with this what, big bowl of spaghetti what, what now? With, we're two people. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? My baby can't eat the spaghetti yet. <laughs> like, like, what do I do? But it's just like that hospitality right. is like all across the south yep. like within louisiana like that's what when when like she didn't expect anything right. back no expectations like, like no expectations yep. like then once like quentin was older i was able to go to her house but hey like this is a quentin like introduce yep. her and like yeah. that was it yep like return your dishes you yep. know like that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the curse back to me yeah give, back, give the dishes back that's so great that's it that's so awesome though that's that's exactly it it's giving with no expectations and that's something that i didn't know too much about coming from new jersey so i appreciate that about the south yeah, and that's it's that's the commonality here yeah you know? so i'm i'm a resident now i'm ingrained love it got that louisiana driver's license oh yeah <laughs> love it 2012 or 13 now it's been a minute there you go yeah so um for the final question what can i do to help you man come be on my podcast that would be fun done that would be awesome done yeah. Like that's it. awesome. No, I appreciate, and I appreciate this. This is, uh, um, I know you said your numbers aren't, but I don't care about that. To me, it's all about the conversation. It's about what you're trying to do, your message, your intentions, um, and the way you guys treated me here. This was awesome. So this was, this was a lot of fun. The conversation was great. And if I can do anything for you, I would love to do the same. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go on the show and we'll take it from there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on the show, man. I, I had a great time it, with you. Yeah, this is awesome. And thank you, uh, everybody else, whether you're watching or listening to us. I really appreciate your time and your commitment to making the show what it is. I know the guests do as well. If you're in Perkins Row or you're in Baton Rouge, you want to go find a cool place for some cars and culture, check out Anthony Renato's shop right there in Perkins Row. And just follow him along with his and his podcast and all his business endeavors. If you're looking for a gym, F45 is an option now, you know. Go check him out. And thank you so very much for listening. This has been the latest episode of The Patty G Show here with Anthony Renato, and we're out. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined.
Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear how they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you are looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values, relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e-statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, they are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They are a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience or maybe your corporate retreat. You're looking for something to do for your employees? Book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Outdoors, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. Simple.